It's time to get your news on. We are VK1 WIA. And it is the WIA National News for week commencing January 22, 2023. And this week, VK4EA WIA Director Peter joins us. Aussie Ham becomes silent key two months after turning 100. And mystery antennas popping up in remote areas of the USA. This plus much, much more in this 30-minute edition of News from the Wireless Institute of Australia. At the editor's desk, I'm Graham VK4BB. We give you the news we like and nothing else. We are VK1WIA. Hello again from Turrbal and Yagara country. This is Peter VK4EA on behalf of the WIA board. No board meeting this week. However, a few things to chat about. World Radio Conference 2023. WRC 2023 has been held in Dubai, United Emirates, November this year. We've got some good news from the International Amateur Radio Union, Region 3. They've decided to fund half of one of our delegates' costs. Hence, we now have the budget to send two delegates for the entire length of the conference. This is an example of your membership money giving Australian amateurs a seat at the table at the world stage. Agendas have been set at the moment. Keep an eye on the AR magazine for further news. VHF, UHF Field Day. I had the rare opportunity to operate for home station for this contest and had a pretty damn good time. A brief but intense sporadic ear opening on six metres on Sunday morning provided a hectic 60 minutes of exchanges with VK3, VK7, with VK5 just coming on as the contest finished. It was fun, but strangely, my K4 bandscape went very, very quiet on the contest close. It's strange how the sporadic works. Well done to those who went to the significant effort to operate portable and stay tuned for an innovative contest idea being brewed up by a prominent six-metre operator in VK4. The WIA Education Committee has been reformed and the first meeting is happening soon. The board is looking forward to, having, to seeing some good work being done by some very capable people. And the board has decided to meet monthly from now on, so the frequency of this board comment may reduce to on this, uh, for this news bulletin. But as always, we've got stuff happening on Twitter, Insta, Bookface, and of course the website. Cheers for now. This has been Peter, VK4EA, for the WA board. We are VK1WIA. Now, international news with VK2LAW Jason. Hello. IARU Monitoring System. The latest issue of the IARU MS newsletter reads almost like a DX propagation report. Apart from detailing the recurring problems caused by the -the over-the-horizon radars of various origins, mainly from Russia, China, Iran and Cyprus, there are unusual reports about taxi rodeos and fishermen on 10 metres and village rodeos in Indonesia heard on the 40 metre band. HARP thanks amateur radio operators for help with latest experiment. In December, the high-frequency active auroral research program, HARP, conducted its latest ionospheric experiment of bouncing radio signals off an asteroid passing near Earth's orbit. Amateur radio operators and radio astronomy enthusiasts were invited to monitor the test and send their results to HARP for analysis. While the results of the experiment will take a couple of weeks, Jessica Matthews, HARP program manager, said the help was greatly appreciated. 
So far, we've received over 300 reception reports from the amateur radio and radio astronomy communities from six continents who confirmed the HARP transmission. We will be analysing the data over the next weeks and hope to publish the results in the coming months, said Mark Haynes, lead investigator on the project and a radar systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. This experiment was the first time an asteroid observation was attempted at such low frequencies, he said. This shows the value of HARP as a potential future research tool for the study of near-Earth objects. In news from Region 1 to Ireland, reopening the old hurdy-gurdy museum. Planning a trip to the Emerald Isle? No trip is complete until you visit the hurdy-gurdy. Last Sunday the 15th saw the reopening of Ye Old Hurdy Gurdy Museum of Vintage Radio at the Martello Tower in Howth. The museum has been closed for the past couple of months for repairs. For now the museum will open at weekends from 11am to 4pm. The late Pat Herbert founded the museum in 2003 to display his vast collection of vintage radios, gramophones and related paraphernalia. The museum also houses amateur station Echo India Zero Mike Alpha Romeo. The museum's website has a link to book a visit online. To news from Spain, authorization for radio operation in the range from 2400.050 to 2410 MHz has been extended by one year in Spain. The permit operation is enabling radio amateurs in Spanish territory to make QSOs via the geostationary satellite QO100. The maximum EIRP permitted is 1500 watts and is valid until the 26th of December 2023. To Region 2, in the USA, in Pittsburgh, KDKA receives 2023 World Radio Day Award. The World Radio Day Award honours a station that exemplifies the best attributes of the radio industry. This is the fourth annual award. The Pittsburgh News Talk Station is at 100.1 FM and 10.20 AM. World Radio Day is celebrated annually on February 13 in commemoration of the birth of United Nations Radio in 1946. This official international day was adopted by the 67th United Nations General Assembly in 2012. This year, the theme for the 12th edition of World Radio Day is Radio and Peace. KDKA, recognised as the oldest licensed radio station in America, was preceded in winning the award by sister station 1010 WINS in New York, which received it last year. Still in the United States to Utah, Utah's Mystery Antennas. In an odd series of events that have been making news in recent days, authorities near Salt Lake City, Utah, have been reporting the discovery of unusual antenna arrays along mountaintops and ridges. Officials in Utah say the first antennas actually began appearing more than a year ago. However, an increasing number of the devices have appeared within the last few months. According to Salt Lake Recreational Trails Manager Tyler Fonero in a statement given to KSL-TV5 earlier this month. With little information about who placed the devices on public lands and for what purpose, officials have been faced with the cumbersome task of having to hike into Utah's snowy foothills to remove the devices. Presently, the reason for the sudden strange appearance of these antennas remains a mystery. 
although at least a few ideas about the devices have been put forward. Based on images posted to social media, the primary components of the devices consist of an antenna, a router, a solar panel and a sealed battery container. Although Salt Lake City's Department of Public Lands has been tasked with the removal of many of the devices, some have also appeared on U.S. Forest Service property as well as land owned by the University of Utah. So, what are the devices and what are they actually being used for? A number of ideas have been put forward, ranging from amateur radio emergency data network units to regional deployments of MOTUS wildlife tracking systems. However, in either case, permits should be able to be easily located to confirm this, in addition to available information online that would indicate the deployment of things like wildlife tracking systems, none of which have been found. Another possibility involves the potential use of the antennas as Wi-Fi repeaters, although with the availability of satellite internet for customers in such remote areas, the illegal placement of antennas on public lands for such purposes again seems less likely. Presently, none of these theories have been confirmed, although in his email to the debrief, Luke Allen of Salt Lake City's Department of Public Lands was clear about what his agency plans to do with them. Our main priority right now is to get them off the mountain, Allen said. COVID's continuing toll, morning to radio amateurs. COVID-19 continues to exact a toll, including the recent passing of two hams who may be familiar to you. Both succumbed to complications of the COVID virus. Long-time CQ magazine's technical illustrator Hal Keith passed away in late December at age 88. You probably never saw his face in the magazine, but his work graced their pages for nearly 50 years. CQ Contest Hall of Famer and long-time member of the CQWW Contest Committee Alfred Fred Lorne III, Kilo 3 Zulu Oscar, became a silent key in early January at age 85. He was also a director of the Yasme Foundation. Fred served for many years in the US Foreign Service at posts around the world, at one time being kidnapped and shot by rebels in Argentina while serving as director of the USAID, Agency for International Development Program there. For VK1 WIA National News in Sydney, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. From here, there and everywhere, you've tuned to the Wireless Institute of Australia's National News Service. We are VK1 WIA. Now, operational news with VK4FUQ. Felix. Hello there. With about 10 days to go, there is still time to enter the Ross Hull Memorial VHF UHF DX contest. Entrants may operate on every contest day, but the final score is based on the best seven days nominated by the entrant. For amateurs with limited operating time, there is also a best two-day section. 26th of January, Australia Day Contest, and here is Alan, VK4SN, the manager of said test. After last year's successful running of the Australia Day Contest, comments were in favour of making the contest a global event. There was a strong indication for distance-based scoring and the inclusion of FT8 or FT4. A suggested rule set was forwarded to the contest committee for their input. On agreement with the rules, we now have the following outcome. 
The contest is open to all amateurs worldwide on 160, 80, 40, 20, 15 and 10 metres. Scoring is distance-based, calculated on a four-character grid-square exchange. Phone, CW and mixed categories with a separate digital category for FT8 or FT4. A log can contain all modes and on submission, digital contacts will be pulled from the log and put into a digital category while also keeping an operator in the phone and CW sections. WSJTX users can operate as normal as the ADI file can be imported into M1MM logger for scoring and log creation. Make sure a new .ADI file is used for the contest. As no serial number is needed, the standard four character grid square used during normal operation is all that is required. VKCL logger will not cater for this contest, so make sure N1MM logger is ready to go. The user defined contest required to be loaded with M1MM is available from VK4SN.com under contest. It is evident that a lot of operators are migrating over to M1MM. For new users, a M1MM help file for this contest is available at the end of the rules, complete with pictures. Download it from the WIA contest pages. And this contest is obviously the first Australian distance-based scored and digital contest. See you on air and have great fun. Best 73s, this is Alan, VK4, Sierra, November. Thanks, Alan. Now the last contest I'll tell you of today is happening March 18 and 19. And it's the John Moyle Field Day. Now to a special award. King's Coronation Inspires Operator Award in Britain. Amateur radio operators in the UK have become very involved in planning for the coronation of the next king. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, told Amateur Radio Newsline about one award group that has launched an event that continues right through to the end of the year. The coronation of King Charles III in Westminster Abbey in May has inspired the Worked All Britain Awards group to create a year-long event honouring the new monarch of the United Kingdom and Commonwealth Territories. The King Charles III Coronation Award is open to any amateur radio operator who is able to log contacts within the various geographical squares inside the UK throughout 2023. Hams may operate on all licensed frequencies and modes to qualify. According to the group's website, the initial certificate will be awarded for 10 points. There are endorsements for each 10 after that. Finally, each multiple of 100 points earns the operator a new certificate and a trophy. Details about the scoring methods are available on the website. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Good one, Jeremy. Now let's open the DX window. Be listening for special call sign 7U7C, being used by operators who belong to the Great Desert Jalfa Radio Amateur Club 7X2 VFK. The club is on the air marking the 7th African Nations Championship Football taking place in Algeria until the 4th of February. This biennial football tournament is organised by the Confederation of African Football. In Central Africa, Roland is operating as TR8CR from Gabon until March 15, using CW130 to 10 metres. QSL via F6AJA. Going QRT this Sunday, UTC Sunday time, is HC1FIT who has been on air from a mountaintop near the city of Otavalo in the Imbaura province of Ecuador. He has been worked on SSB and CW on the 40 to 10 metre bands. QSL directly to N9EAJ. 
Speaking of mountaintops, we'll have more on soda when Cole joins us here on VK1WIA during Special Interest Group News. Federal Republic of Germany. Special event station DR100 X-Ray is QRV until June 30. 2. Commemorate the 100th anniversary since the death of William Ronston, the physicist whose discovery of X-rays revolutionised diagnostic medicine. QSL DR100 X-Ray via the Bureau. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In South Australia, this broadcast can be heard on VK5RAD 147MHz at 9am local time. I'm Shirley, VK5YL. Now wireless weather and just repeating. I'm Graham VK4BB. Hornsby and District Amateur Radio Club, where Sydney Siders Meet, has swapped out their repeater on 147.25. Rob and Steve have replaced the VK2 RNS 2 metre repeater with a tape transceiver, and so far feedback has been excellent, and the club would welcome amateurs across Sydney trying the repeater to provide feedback via the HADARC website. Again, VK2 RNS is on 147.25 and let the club know the signal strength at your QDH. Wireless weather and sunspot numbers up, geomagnetic disturbances down. What could be better? OK, maybe Solar Cycle 19, but that was 66 years ago and by far the all-time largest. But this is now and we're in Solar Cycle 25 and this sunspot cycle is emerging better than the consensus forecast. It is predicted to peak about 30 months from now. Solar cycles tend to run up faster than they decline, so we look forward to great HF propagation for years to come. From here, there and everywhere, you've tuned to the Wireless Institute of Australia's National News Service. We are VK1WIA. Now, Special Interest Group News with VK3GTV. Cole. Hello, welcome to the segment. First up, Summits on the Air, Worldwide Flora and Fauna Program, Parks on the Air and other adventure groups. Parks on the Air administrators have spent the past few days tallying up activated totals for 2022. Over 6.26 million QSOs in 2022. That's a 220% increase, more than double what was logged in 2021. Our own Region 3 had 8,780 QSOs, representing a 283% increase over 2021. Climbs Every Mountain Robert M0RWX activated every single SOTA summit in England within the calendar year of 2022. This is an unprecedented achievement, but it doesn't end there. Robert also activated extensively in France, Scotland and Wales, and a little in Benelux, recording a total of 326 activations and a mammoth 1,476 activator points in the year, almost 1.5 mountain goats. Robert is now targeting an activated completion of Wales during 2023 and thereafter spending longer on each summit, experimenting with more bands and modes. What an amazing achievement. Congratulations, Robert. A river runs through it. How does a radio operator pursue three SOTA summits, six island activations and two lake activations in the space of seven days? 
Well, the answer, it goes with the flow. In this case, the flow of a river in New Zealand. Thanks to Amateur Radio Newsline's Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF takes us on that ride. It was a seven-day journey along the length of the Clutha River in New Zealand, and Matt ZL4NVW was more than up to the challenge. He had his pack raft, his kayak, his radio, and his game plan. Writing on the Soto Reflector later, Matt shared the details of how he collected peaks and some summit-to-summit contacts along the way. He battled band conditions as well as scrub from the wild landscape. Entering the river south of Albert Town with his gear safely packed and waterproofed, he braced for the equivalent of a solar storm, rapids, whirlpools and boils. The trip afterward was marked by alternating moments of extreme peace and temperamental waters, though he suffered a wrist injury at one point. He advised readers to file his story, quote, under the lengths, someone will go to activate a one-point summit, end quote. That would be one of the stops he made to climb Taiwit Peak on Mauwaho Island in Otago, the summit designated ZL3-OT-493. Perhaps just a single point earned here, but the total adventure points for this trip were off the charts. This is Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. Thanks, Jim. India joins Beaches on the Air. A two-member team of amateurs from West Bengal, VU3IBL and VU3IZV, activated India's first beach on the air. The activations were from Masuni Island Beach, grid NL41. Masuni Island is located towards the southern end of West Bengal and is surrounded by the Bay of Bengal on three sides and a river on the other side. The team also made use of the special call sign AUSOA for this beach activation. Beaches on the Air is a global award scheme for radio amateurs that promotes portable operation from, obviously, beaches. Worldwide special interest groups, Final Frontier. Don't call CQ on FM birds. Please, it's not necessary and takes up valuable airtime. If there are no QSOs ongoing and there's no station you heard that you want to call, you can key up and give your call and grid only and unkey. But please do this sparingly. Instead of doing it over and over, listen and wait for another station you might want to work. In other words, you have to give others a chance to get in there. If you add up all the seconds spent by people CQing or continually announcing themselves, you'll see what a significant percentage of a pass is wasted. They say, well, no one else was on. Right, because they couldn't get through due to all the CQing. Satellites is like HFDXing. Listen, listen, and when in doubt, listen. Congratulations to the students of Syria University in Indonesia following the deployment of their first satellite from the International Space Station. Known as SS-1 for Syria Satellite 1, the CubeSat is also Indonesia's first student-built satellite. The university undergraduates undertook the project with the support of the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs, which recognised it in a design competition in 2018. The achievement awarded it the chance to be deployed from the ISS. The CubeSat's mission is to test communication between an automatic package reporting system payload and the ground using the amateur radio frequency 145.825 MHz. 
The university students were inspired to undertake the project after seeing a presentation on amateur radio by the Indonesian Radio Amateurs Organisation, ARARI. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Radio Scouting. What is the Jamboree on the Air, Jota? To tell us, here's Alec. VK2 APC. Jota is an annual event in which scouts and guides all over the world connect with each other by means of amateur radio. Jota is held every third weekend in October, and this year it will be held on the 20th to the 22nd of October. Shortwave radio signals carry our voices to virtually any corner of the world. It's the sheer excitement of having a live conversation with a fellow scout or guide at some other place in the world that attracts so many young people to this event. Jota is a real jamboree during which scouting experiences are exchanged and ideas shared and the use of amateur radio techniques offers an extra educational dimension for scouts. Many grasp the opportunity to discover the world of wireless radio techniques and electronics. Thousands of volunteer radio amateurs assist the scouts all over the Jota weekend with their knowledge, equipment, and enthusiasm. Scout frequencies are especially chosen where low-power, simple stations are transmitting. This allows scouts to operate such stations from campsites and still be able to communicate with others. For the complete list of scout frequencies, read the text edition of this WIA newscast Best read at wia.org.au. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Alec, VK2APC in Sydney. Now back over to you, Cole. Thanks, Alec. Now on to Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Rescue Radio. 12,000 respond to emergency alert test. Sheridan County Emergency Management, in partnership with the Federal Communications Commission, conducted a test of the wireless emergency alert system. Sheridan is a county in the U.S. state of Wyoming. A test alert was sent to all wireless devices within 1.5 square miles of the courthouse, and the test included a link to a survey to help measure the effectiveness of the WEA system. Emergency management staff had 78 people participate as part of the control group. The control group included county and city staff, courthouse staff and volunteer amateur radio operators from the Cloud Peak Radio and Electronics Group. More than 400 citizens from the Sheridan County responded to the survey when they received the test message. Nationally, 37 test messages were sent and more than 12,000 people responded to the survey. The Wireless Emergency Alert System is an alerting network in the United States designed to disseminate emergency alerts to mobile devices such as cell phones and pages. The government issues three types of alerts through this system. One, those issued by the President of the United States or the Administrator of the Federal Emergency Manager Agency, FEMA. Two, alerts involving imminent threats to safety of life issued in two different categories, extreme threats and severe threats. And three, Amber alerts, i.e. child abduction messages. When the alert is received, a sound is played, even if the ringer is off. And that wraps up the segment for this week. Till next time, stay safe. I'm Cole, VK3GTV. Across Australia, from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. Here in Campbelltown, it can be heard on a host of frequencies, including 
160 meters, 1.845 AM, 80 meters, 3.595 lower side band, 40 meters, 7.146 AM, 20 meters, 14.170 upper side band, 10 meters, 28.320. I am Pete, VK2LP for the WIA National News Service. On the social scene now, 2023 and then the final final. Remember, clubs are welcome to submit text with audio for this section and details of all WIA affiliated clubs and societies can be found on the WIA website, including email addresses and website links. February 5, in VK3, it's Barg Hamfest at the Barg Club Rooms. And a new one, VK6, the Peel Amateur Radio Group's Pargfest, Feb 11. This event celebrates Parg's 40th anniversary and promises to be bigger and better than before. A huge swap meet, attracting people from all over WA. Short talks by invited presenters, demonstrations by various commercial organisations and clubs, and a coffee cart to feed the hungries. It's to be held at Mandurah Bowling Club, 89 Allnut Street, an easy walk from the Mandurah Light Rail Station. PARG, with support of TET, MTROM and DX Radio Systems, will be running a huge raffle to be drawn on the day. Check parg.org.au for details. Now, the final final, in more ways than one. Passing and becoming silent key is Steve Grimsley of Harden, New South Wales, who previously held many call signs, including VK2ZP, VK1VK and VK0VK. Steve passed away on the 16th of January at the age of 100 years, two months. Steve is a former president of the Canberra Radio Society and for many years was an active operator on HF bands, mainly CW. His enthusiasm for whatever he was engaged in was infectious. He survived by his two sons, Peter and Paul, many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Steve Grimsley, Silent Key. Now, till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Thanks for listening and... Walk softly. This has been the Wireless Institute of Australia with the weekly news service. This broadcast is in text, audio, and video and is accessed on wia.org.au.